One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's My Pops Culture, starring my son, Ben. His dad. Do you really have to say it like that, Dad? With our guest star, Superstore's Lauren Ash, who's actually super into true crime. The only true crime here are your guest intros. You know what's funny, Ben? You and I have this whole passion for true crime. Like, if something new comes on Netflix, there's a text that I get. And it's like, Dad, watch this. Or if I see it first, I'll send you something. Yeah, I feel like the majority of our texting thread is is what true crime docs to, you know, to start watching. Right. That and the odd, I love you. Or I appreciate you. No, you always say you love me. Yeah, but no, it's like we, we have this thing. It's like every time we see a new, like, true crime doc, it's like, you tell me, I tell you, or it's a, or we tell each other, and it's it's the, oh, I watched it already. Oh, I'm already three episodes right, in. Like, right, we're already. It's like this weird thing of, like, we're trying to update each other. We're also, like, on the, the world so much that it's like, we're already in it. And also, if, I, if I'm one episode ahead of you, you don't, wanna, you don't want me to talk about it. You can't. No, guys, we don't want to know. It. We don't want to know. But I don't know what is. And it's funny because I never said to you, oh, um, you know, like, we share this love of true crime, but it wasn't because you and I sat together and would watch true crime together there's all the murders we committed together we're just yeah, that's a passion true. for it. that's true no, I, like only as a kid i only help, i only asked for your help to help bury the bodies but yeah. we never really watched to be shows fair, together. It, was, it was a light body so it that's wasn't true. a big day that's true thankfully i was a fit young lad yes. so we got it done very quickly yes but no I, I think it just became like a i don't know when i started watching true crime but I, the moment we started watching they can't stop watching and it's interesting because true crime is now part of pop culture just like Pop culture could be, you know, it could be a great song. It can be a great album. It can be a great movie. And now it's a great, you know, murder. Is that is that good or bad, though? I, I don't know. I it, It's funny that we're using the entertainment value of pop culture at the death and mystery of others. You know what I mean? We're, it's kind of, if you look at it that way, it's kind of yeah, like it, not it, nice. It's definitely a little bit morbid, but at the same time, too, like, keep serving it to me. I love it. Yeah. Like part of me is like, I don't know if this is right that I'm sitting here enjoying watching a murder of a man and they can't solve it. But the other part of me is like, damn, this popcorn is good. I'm loving this. Yeah. Like I, mm. it's hard to think what we were watching before true crime existed. I know. <laughs> and it just seems like there's more and more of it every year. You know what's scary? What's scary is when you watch a true crime doc and right at the beginning, you're like, okay, I think he did it and this is why. And then the mystery gets solved and that's exactly what happened. And then you think, oh my God, I'm thinking like a killer. I'm thinking like a killer. Or you're thinking like a detective if you want to make yourself seem like, you know, less like a sociopath. It's really interesting when you look at the history of crime in pop culture. It's, you know, you had radio shows with crime. Yeah. You had movies, you had novels, true crime novels. And when I was younger, you know, the biggest thing with us with true crime was watching something on the news, a crime on the news. And of course, I'm going to bring up OJ because OJ was, you were so immersed in it. I remember being at work. I guess, I don't know how old I was. I was at work and we mm -hmm. turned on the television and we watched OJ's Bronco chase yeah. live. 
At this point, it is a pursuit. Unfortunately, it has a lot of uh, mitigating circumstances because of the high profile of the uh, proposed suspect that's inside the vehicle, which could possibly be and uh, appears to be at this time O.J. Simpson. And then everybody was watching that court case live. It's no disguise. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Then it became, on all of those people, all those players, the Judge Ito, Cato Kalin, Robert Shapiro, Johnny Cochran, um, you know, Marsha Clark, all became, what, like, well, they players, players in pop culture. Yeah. And um, then what's happened is then you start getting your Netflixes coming in and they started to do these docu-series. Yeah. Where, like, Making a Murderer or You Love the Jinx. Yeah. Where... These people are documenting a crime, and while they're documenting it, something slips up or some evidence becomes revealed in the doc that helps them solve the crime. I mean, that's not the basis of all true crime stuff nowadays. But no, definitely... it's not, no, it's not the basis, but that's, I think, was really what kicked it off. Yeah, I do think of making a murderer really for like a streaming service really propelled us in this world of like, we just need more and more and more. It's yes. the point it's like this all-you-can-eat buffet of just true crime series. I like that. Uh, the all-you-can-eat buffet of true crime. That's what it is now, isn't it? We've got the, the we've got I Am the Night, the Night Stalker. We have the, the Irishman, which was about true crime with uh, De Niro, you know? Um, we've got Manson Ones, BTK, A Killer Among Us, The Jinx, Mummy Dead, Mummy and Dearest, which is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Like, there's so many of them. And you know what's interesting, too? There was some research done. They found out that true crime has a larger female audience than male. I mean, that makes sense, considering, like, our guest today is a female who's such a huge true crime buff. And maybe she was part of the research that they did. What, in leading the charge of why women are so obsessed? Yes. Sure. And I, I understand that women are probably the biggest true crime fans. I, I'm sure your mom would kill me, too. I think your mom would murder me. In a heartbeat. I'm sure more people in our family would murder you, but mom would be at the and top most of, of the list. Yeah, most of them would be women. And then they watch the series about it because you would make a series about it. Well, can we maybe get into introing our guest for the day? Yes, because our guest is a woman who's into true crime. Okay. Okay, well, we have Lauren Ash. So not as, only is Lauren Ash one of the stars of Superstore, she is a super fan of true crime and has even started a true crime podcast. Well, I mean, I'm just excited to talk to another big true crime head. Yes. So would you like to introduce Lauren Ash? All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring on Lauren Ash. Why do you always have to say without further ado? It's like, you know, those vaudeville shows or something. It's like without further ado, like it's not 1942. Like, I don't but know. According what... to you, ev everything that's great nowadays is rooted in something old. So if I'm doing something about vaudeville, you should be applauding me for taking a root of something from the 1940s and bringing it to 2021. No, but you didn't bring it to 2021 because you kept the same verbiage of the 1940s. That's fine. I'm just saying it has its roots somewhere and we should appreciate those roots. I this is, this you, is your whole thing. It, well, no, I want you to be, I want you to be clever. I want you to introduce Lauren like with a true crime thing. Here's a woman who makes a killing in comedy. And pot, like something that clever. That sounds like good with me. Let's say that. Okay, you say her name and I'll do the intro, okay? You know what I'm saying? Here's a woman who makes a killing in comedy and in her podcast, Lauren Ash. Without further ado. Oh, interesting. Okay, what button do I push? Are you going to kill me because I ask this all the time? Do you see I'll what kill I did you for there? other reasons. Yeah, see you're going to kill me. Don't push that button. <laughs> Lauren, are you impressed where we are? Can you see what's going on behind us, Lauren? Yeah, it feels like you're in some sort of maybe like a basement or a warehouse, like a, a toy store. Uh, it feels, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, this is all of his, I mean, not all of his collection, a, a chunk of his collection down here. Oh, very this nice. Is my, all my pop culture, this is my, my, my son calls it up my hoard, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> I don't think, is really, is, is, is Colonel Steve Austin a hoard? Is a lunchbox of, uh, lunchbox of Charlie's Angels? Hoard? I don't think so. I don't think so. And some people say hoarders. I say uh, enthusiasts. You know what I mean? Like you're just enthusiastic about collectibles. A collectible Yay. enthusiast. That's it. Okay. I see that, I, so that's why I'm picturing like someone on A&E hoarders. Like they have like 20 dead cats. They're not a hoarder. They're <laughs> dead cat enthusiasts. I'm going to fire my son and I'm going to have Lauren as my co-host. Okay. How about Listen, that? Listen. Yeah. I'm just saying. 
Um, I'm just, just want to, okay, first of all, huge fan of Superstore. And I want to say congrats on your, you wrapped this week, didn't you? We did. Yeah, we did. I do. I've always, are you in a soundstage or did they actually, did they stage like an empty department store for that? So the pilot of the show, we actually shot in a working Kmart. So the Kmart has since shut down, but it was a Kmart in Burbank, California. And people were literally walking around shopping as we were shooting. Obviously, the show had not existed yet. So nobody knew who we were or what was going on. People thought we worked there. People would literally come up and be like, you know, can you tell me where the toothpaste is? And I was like, oh, I I don't work here. I'm an actor. And one woman literally said to me, she was like, it's L.A. Everyone's an actor, which I thought was amazing (laughs) and true. Um, But when we got picked up to series, they did build us a store basically on two sound stages, technically three sound stages, uh, at Universal Studios. So it's it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing set, I gotta say. Because when I watch the show, I'm trying, because, you know, we're somewhat savvy. We're in television and we're like, I see the ceiling there. I see the lights. And I'm like, they've got to have worked this into an actual warehouse. But no, a soundstage. Amazing. Yeah. So they built it. They, they built the lights practically. So as you know, normally on a soundstage, you can kind yeah. of see the rafters and you can see mm-hmm. all the goings on. But they built a ceiling and they built kind of the fluorescent lights into the ceiling so that, yeah, if you look up at any point, it looks like a real store. And then they did this really cool trick where around the perimeter at the very, very top of the walls, they put about four feet of mirror. So it creates an illusion when you walk around and when you shoot to make it look like the store goes on forever. Okay, that's really cool. That's it's clever. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What do you, okay, I have to ask you, there's a really great rhythm to Superstore. Yes. In the dialogue. You know, certain shows, when I think of rhythm in shows, Veep comes to mind. Yes. Veep has, and Superstore. How do you, I know there is editing involved, but there's, how do you, say these lines with the rhythm that's needed because comedy is about timing. It's about rhythm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I've talked about it a lot that way too. Like there's certain scenes where you just, I mean, it sounds pretty pretentious on my part, but it does start to feel like you get into that. Like, it's almost like a jazz. I can't believe I just said that. That feels really over the top and pretentious, but it really is. And I think it's kind of something that you find in the moment. So when we rehearse the scenes, we all know, you know, that came very early to us. And it's kind of something to me that either on some shows they have to find through editing and writing and those kinds of things. And then on other shows, I think it kind of just organically starts to happen. And I think that that's what happened for us. We just kind of started all to gel very quickly, very early on. And we kind of just found it. And and it's interesting because there'll be times where something will be, will not fit into it. And you immediately know, like it'll be, whether it's, you know, a line or a choice that someone's made or whatever, like you just immediately know it's like that just doesn't work. It just doesn't, it clashes. Like it's, it it just doesn't work in the rhythm of, of what the scene is and what the show is. So it's, it's hard to even say, because I think it's one of the intangible things that makes Superstore special. And I think that shows can be very successful and very, very funny. And you don't have to have that kind of intangible quality. But I think one of the reasons why our show is so special is because it has some of those intangible things that just kind of organically happened that you can't even really explain. It's like we just it just occurred. And and that's what we captured over the course of the the six seasons, which is a, a really cool thing to be a part of. I agree. I think that, you know, there's a lot of shows, ensemble comedies when you have amazing characters. But I think if the characters don't gel and they don't have that rhythm and they don't have that connective tissue, yeah. there's, you can tell if it's acting or if there's something natural happening within, like you and Glenn, well, Mark McKinney, but I'm saying, you know, Dean and Glenn, there's this, I don't know what it is. It's, it's it, that natural back and yes, forth. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great example too. Mark and I, in the pilot, in the first episode, there's a scene where we're talking about cooking meth. Listen up, I've got an important announcement. This is your garden variety generic decongestant. And this is crystal meth, okay? The tweakers use this to make this. I used to end these meetings with some wisdom from the good book, but then someone reported me to corporate. Heck yeah, I did. Look, I'm a Christian too, but in these four walls, my Bible is the employee code of conduct. 
We all thank you for it. Yeah, you're welcome. And there's a whole chunk of that that was improvised, that we improvised on the day. And we went for a while. I think because we were both just like, nobody was stopping us, truthfully. And they used a chunk of it in the show. And I was so impressed because I've, you know, to that point, I've been in a fair amount of television and you can improvise and stuff, but I've never been on a show that was so keen to use the improv. And and that would be another one of the things that I would really credit uh, a lot of our creative team with on Superstore was the funniest joke wins, you know, and if somebody improvises something and they think that that really hits and really works, they use it. And so that set the tone, certainly for Mark and I, as two people who really love to improvise, um, that set the tone for us yeah. right off the top that it was like, let's go. They, they, they're they're going to if, if they're going to play ball and they're going to, you know, give us a shot. Once we've gotten the lines and they're happy with us getting it scripted, we we've shot almost every single scene for those six years, we would shoot improvised versions of. We'd get it as scripted and then we would always do a pass where we improvise and stuff like that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're a big improv. Well, we're both improv fans. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially shows like Curb Enthusiasm, but like also in Toronto, like I've, I took some years of improv. I like going out to the How's shows. How's that going? How's that going for you, Ben? Well, I'm in a, in a basement with my dad, so apparently it's going great. <laughs> um, Listen, that's more than a lot of improvisers can say. Yeah. So yeah. you're doing uh, something right. You know, I, I like I love going out to improv shows. So like to hear the fact that improv is making its way into the show is really, really cool. And Lauren, that's your background. Yes. Correct. You're a comedian. Right. Yeah. So you've had that training. Uh, people. One of the things I love about improv that people say is that it's it, improvisation is a gift. Isn't that the whole thing? They give you a gift and, and you accept that gift and run with it. Is Am I wrong or is that the whole gist? Yeah. I mean, I, that's yeah, totally. You can look at it that way. It's about, you know, I think that the reason why I I really love it and I have such an affinity for it is it's the idea of like, you know, regardless of what the emotion is you're playing in the scene, it's like the idea that like everything is game, that it's it's saying yes to each other. And it's like, mm-hmm. let's, you know, as adults, if you're doing improv as an adult, it's like we're on stage playing makeup. We're playing imagination on stage, which is in and of itself ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But it's like if we're going to do it, then let's do it. Like, let's really commit yeah. to it. And yeah. if you you know, that's to me what the magic of improv is, is that if you have people that are really committed and really willing to like really get into the moment and be take it really seriously, it can be really awesome. And it's it's you know, and that's, again, part of doing it on the show and using it kind of in that way, like as somebody who who started out in improv and has that background and now seeing it as a as a tool on the show, like on a TV, uh, uh, you know, a major network television show. It's very cool to see that it's like there is kind of a, an application that is used past just, yeah. you know, being on a, a stage in front of 12 people um, at the Bad Dog Theater in Toronto, which is what I did for years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's cool to see it kind of extrapolate out. I think it's amazing with you you mentioned network television. It's really hard to have a hit on network television now. So kudos to you guys first of all to get that. But also you guys are now in this really amazing place because you've got streaming and network television happening in the same place. You've got this mushroom cloud of superstore exploding. Yeah. Like that must be phenomenal to watch. Well, you know, it's really interesting because the show's been running for 6 years and uh, it's it's kind of gained, you know, kind of steady momentum throughout that time. But the show, it was announced last, it was the end of November or early December last year. It was announced that this was going to be our last season, which is very sad. But then in January of this year is when it was put on Netflix, basically almost everywhere in the world except America, the United States. And it exploded. Like, it's so wild to be a part of a show that's coming to an end just as a lot of people are discovering it for the first time. It really is a trip because, you know, we love doing the show. I love doing the show. We're all very close friends. We have been the whole time. It's it's been such a very special, joyous experience for all of us. I I can say that truthfully for all of us, it has been. And and so it's been very emotional as we've kind of discovered that this is going to be the end. And then it's like, also, millions of people are are discovering it for the first time. We were in the top five in Canada. We were number one in Canada for like a month yeah. on Netflix, which was amazing. Um, but it, it's, it adds to the emotion, obviously, that it's like, oh, man, like, 
If only we had been put on a streaming service sooner, who knows? Uh, you know, like an international streamer, who knows? Who knows what how that could have changed the trajectory potentially? But it's a really cool thing. It's cool to see something that you love so much having that kind of like second wave of attention before it's even fully finished for the first time. It's it's really cool. I'm going to ask you one one more super short question. It's more personal. I just, what was the final shoot day like? I always, and, and what's it like to be on a show and work with the same people for six years and you know it's ending. Like, it's like, oh, our office is closing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's awful. It's it's uh, it's heartbreaking, you know? And and I was saying, too, it, it, our specific experience was also very unique because they, through circumstance, we were on a timeline that meant we needed to shoot the last two episodes out very quickly. So they had us work 12 days in a row with no breaks, no days off, long days. Jeez. So that's already stressful. Then you add in the fact that it, we're under COVID protocols, yeah. which add in daily testings, which add in longer hours because of the way that it, yep. all the protocols work, which is very boring. But anyway, it makes for a longer, more stressful day. So not only were we dealing with the intense kind of pressures of 12 days in a row, exhaustion, um, you know, just moodiness of of that. But then you add in the extreme emotions of something that you've loved and that you've done for six years with the same people for six years coming to an end. It was extremely emotional. I mean, truly, you know, it, it, I cried for days <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. in on that last day, you know, I'm excited for people, very excited for people to see the finale because I think there's so much stuff in there that people, fans of the show who really love the show and have really come to love the characters, I think there's stuff that they're really going to love to see. Um, but I mean, there was not a dry eye in the house. You know, a lot of our crew, we've been so lucky to keep through those six years and crews often, you know, they, yep. they move around, they go show to show. And it's always been a testament to what a wonderful working environment we've had on the show that we've kept a lot of the same people. So it's not just the actors also. It's it's the same people. I mean, the woman who's done my hair, Maria DeSaro, she did my hair on the pilot. She did my, I saw her every single day <laughs> yeah, for six yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm waking up and I'm not seeing her anymore. Like that's a trip. And, and I kept saying, you know, I'm like, I've never done anything for this long. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you don't go to high school for six years. You don't, I've never had a job for six years as an actor. I mean, it's, it's a gift and it's, um, but it's it is a loss, you know. It is it's it's a beautiful loss because it's I'm so grateful and happy that it happened. But it was definitely it was a tough day. It was a tough day. It was you know a lot of celebration, but a lot of emotion for sure. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Somebody once said to me one time that working on a television show is like summer camp. And you go to summer camp every year, and you have the best time, and you have your inside jokes, mm -hmm. and then summer camp ends. And you sort of don't see people again, or it's just, yeah, that magic time is over. It definitely feels that way, for sure. I, I think that that's a good analogy in a lot of ways. It does feel like, you know, for me, I, I've said quite often, I feel like I get up and I go to work, but going to work is like I hang out with my friends and we happen to make a TV show in the process. Like it really was, yeah. I think, and I've worked in TV a fair amount. And I just know that later in life, when I look back, this is a special one. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Okay, thank you for being so upfront and so open about Superstore. Yeah. I just love that stuff. I love that you opened up. I'm really happy you opened up about the last day of shooting. 
that's that's special to hear for us. Yeah, it was a very special day. I'm, I'm I am genuinely excited for people to see it because we're all very invested. So speaking of invested, you know what we're invested in? We actually love true crime. Uh, <laughs> you and me both. Is that a, is that a horrible segue? That's no, a horrible I, I, segue. I was thinking of a segue that was more like, well, on the topic of loss, let's talk about murder shows. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, this is the, okay, so first of all, tell us, I want you to tell me about your, us about your podcast. Yes. First of all, because we are obsessed with true crime and that's how, we want to talk to you how true crime is really pop culture now. Oh, big time. So my podcast is called True Crime and Cocktails. Uh, I started doing it with my, she's my cousin by birth, but she's my sister by life. Her name is Christy Oxborough. She lives in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And it was a beautiful silver lining of the pandemic, which is we are in this wonderful Zoom world that we are functioning in now. And we both discovered that we had hugely gotten into the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix that came out last year. Yeah. And we were having these late night drunken conversations on Zoom. And I said, you know what? I think we need to start recording these and sharing them with the world. And so we did. And and Christy kind of made a comment like, ah, you know, like maybe I'll just do like a little research, like kind of just like threw it off. Here's the deal. She is a stay at home mom of three who has become the most amazing researcher. It is unbelievable. And it's not just the internet. She is reading books at a pace that is alarming. She has taught herself (laughs) how to, she's taught herself about forensics. She's read forensics books. She can read autopsy reports, um, court documents. She finds stuff that I'm like, all I want to know is, is it legal what you're doing? And she's like, yes, it's all legal. I'm like, okay, okay. I asked no more questions. But meanwhile, the kids are hungry. They haven't haven't been bathed. (laughs) Like, <laughs> Luckily, yeah. they're they're old enough now that that she yeah. she has some more time. She doesn't have any little ones anymore, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, it's just been such a fun ride. So the first season we did of the show, we deep dived each episode of the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Yeah. And then the second season we've done, we're calling our Famous Fatalities Edition, and we're kind of going through a mix of you know famous unsolved celebrity deaths like. Brittany Murphy, Natalie Wood, you know, all those Mm -hmm. kinds of names. But then also the big kind of pop culture-y Tiger King, you know, Carol Baskin and her potential involvement in one of her husband's mysterious disappearances, you know, those kinds of things. Tell Laura, we have to share something with you. Uh, Was it two weeks ago now? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we spoke with Carol Baskin. (gasps) Stop. She was our guest. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we just did Carol Baskin on the podcast and I was, the, we, my cousin and I flipped and I did all the research and I found some pretty damning stuff. <laughs> Almost like she might have killed her husband. <laughs> Almost like she might have been involved. Um, that's wild. What was your experience like? Oh, she's really nice. Except for killing the yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah. Killing the husband part kind of like takes her down a notch. But other than that, she was a lovely I'll tell you, she was with. so nice. And she talked to us about her headpiece, what it means. That Of course. The, the, what was it called? A hakule. Hakule. Yeah. And she lied to us about that. Oh. Because she told us what it meant. And then we looked it up after and it wasn't what it yeah. was. And we talked to her about like, she's a pop culture icon now. Yeah. She was on Dancing with the Stars, for God's sakes. Yeah. So isn't it weird? Why are these people who are involved, like, like John Benny Ramsey is a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. We just covered her on, on our podcast as well. And I've got to tell you, we got we have had more requests for Jean Benet Ramsey than anybody else. And and Christy and I were kind of like, do we need to cover like do they does, does the world need another take on Jean Benet Ramsey? And the answer was apparently yes. yes. It's it's wild. And you know, that's such a such an interesting case too, uh, for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, it is just horrifying. Um yep. but I think that that because there's been no closure, yes, I think that that is a lot of a lot of people. I think that's why Unsolved Mysteries too has always been such a huge thing because yes. people want the closure. They want to have the button. They want to have that. Yes, that se- it's it's the same reason why we all like to see like the the credits that roll at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? It's like yes. and we understand it's over. You know we can put that we can close that. Yes, but when you can't and when it's something that's so brutal and so awful, I feel like yeah, it it becomes a, a part of of our pop culture kind of you know, a zeitgeist. I, we, we did some research, Ben and I ourselves, on, on sort of the trajectory of true crime in pop culture. Because we looked at, like in my generation, true crime or crime was sort of 
news. Right. We watched OJ in the Bronco. We watched the trial on TV. So we were watching the news. Then when streaming services came, like Making a Murderer or Paradise Lost or The Staircase, we're kind of watching somebody who had documented a case and made a series out of it. Where we are now, this is what Ben and I have been talking about. Well, he hasn't really been doing any talking, as you can see. But where we've been talking about is now we have become our own armchair detectives. Yes. And I want to get back to John Bonet. Can I just say that from day one, I thought it was the brother. Like, I'm no expert. This is me just thinking. Sometimes the simplest answer is the truth. Now, again, Burke Ramsey has, of course, sued uh, people saying those things. So, okay, I'll you know, be quiet. these I'll are, be quiet. These are so allegations. Be podcast will be yes. a part but of But that's what I believe. And then there was something about the pineapple, too. There was pineapple in her. Yes. He came down and gave her pineapple. Well, you don't know this, but he yeah. gave there her There was pineapple. pineapple. Yes, there was pineapple on the table. And they found it undigested in her system again. So. Correct. I mean, yeah. Do all signs point to him and exactly what you just described? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. They do. It does feel that that may be what happened. But it's, it's like, I also think that what's happening now, too. And it's like, you know, you're asking, well, why do people want JonBenet? Haven't we not seen enough of that? It's like, because we are living in that world where, like, now we're not observing the crimes anymore as much as we're starting to like try to be activists and try to get justice and try to like do the next level that like we didn't we couldn't do when older cases were happening but we have access like look at lauren was saying your partner like on on the pot you guys are researching yeah she's she's got her her certification in forensic sciences now you know what i mean like yeah you i can google anything now and i can print things out and i can look at police files and i can look, go to the fbi has a vault that you could go to and find documentation. You can. Like, everybody wants to be, I'm the one who solved this. Like, I got addicted to unsolved mysteries. Like, I thought, okay, I won't love it. Robert Stack's not back. But, oh my God, it's way better than it ever was. It's so great. And and I will also say, just in connection to this whole conversation, the one thing that I think the, the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix did so well was it really did, I really felt that documentary was actually a lot less about that case and more about the kind of rise in web sleuthing and that, you know, yes. that mm-hmm. it's, it's there's a line also between what we do, which again, you know, what we do is, is a lot more passive than what the web sleuths in that documentary did. They were getting involved yes. up to the minute. They're trying to inundate police. Yep. They're trying to, you know, attack sp- specific people and, and cyber bully. That's not what we're doing. We're, you know what I mean? We're, right. we're, we're <laughs> yeah. very, very passive little Canadians who are just, uh, <laughs> you know, reading our very legal documents and then uh, talking about them on a podcast once a week. But it was it was such an interesting look into exactly what you're talking about, which is that that anybody now mm-hmm. has the ability to do those things. There isn't the same kind of veil of mystery that there was even, you know, even 10, 20 years ago. I feel like yes. there wasn't the same kind of access that you can get now if you have like access to Reddit. Yes. You know, it's it's wild. I guess the thing is like, why do you think we become so obsessed at this point? I am obsessed with serial killers and uh, true crime because for me, I true like I can't kill a bug. Like the idea of it makes me feel so sick and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't kill a roach. Like I live in LA, like there's roaches that are this big and I'm just like, I can't do it. Um, so the idea, trying to wrap my head around what that is and the psychology of that is endlessly fascinating Mm -hmm. for me. So for me, it's a lot about like just trying to understand something that I truly do not understand. I think for some people, it's also about wanting to get justice that that like maybe if we keep looking and keep talking and keep brainstorming, maybe we can get justice for some of these victims. And I think that that's great. I think that, again, it's, you know, to to a level, again, we can't start, um, you know, injecting ourselves into a police investigations and and all of those kinds of things uh, necessarily. Um, But but it's a it's a great question overall, because if you don't fall into one of those two categories, it's a great question. What is the appeal then for for others? (laughs) Yeah. Like you were talking about the web sleuths, like when you look at the doc, don't fuck with cats. Right. Luca Mignotta, those were those two. Yeah, and, and they were the ones that like really brought, the, brought yeah. the case open. They found him. Yeah. They actually found him. Yeah. I, You know what? I just feel, I love, I, I don't know what it is. I, I am obsessed with it. I think the minute it starts, I'm trying to figure out right from episode one, who did it? Yes. You know, like the staircase, the staircase. Did you push her down both? Did you push both those wives down the staircase? Yeah. 
Yes. Well, I mean, it was because then, then you, you get all the internet theories, right? Like the right. owl theory was a big one with the staircase. Yes. And yep. I was like, oh, I don't necessarily don't believe the owl theory until you put in the thing of like, oh, yeah, but the first wife also died by being pushed down a staircase, which takes a theory like, you know, all out of there. L- Lauren, is it wrong that true crime is part of pop culture? And I'm going to bring up someone like Manson. Mm-hmm. Manson has returned in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Cle- uh, Quentin Tarantino. He's, he's in Mindhunter as well. Mindhunter. Right. He's now in um, the series on, uh, well, Hollywood Sweet. The Hollywood Sweet Helter, Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter has come back as a new series about revisiting the Manson. And I'm not saying he's held up on a pedestal, but he is really pop culture. Yeah, you know what? It's a very interesting debate because when you kind of start, and then Richard Ramirez too, he's having a real yes. kind of yeah. renaissance with the Night Stalker. Um, but, but what was interesting about that, too, is that they talked very little about Ramirez. They didn't get into any of his kind of childhood, any of his upbringing, any of not in any sort of significant way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is also deeply fascinating when you're painting the picture of what a true monster he is. Um, it's a really interesting debate because it, it, it does beg the question, you know, are we romanticizing this? Do we need to keep coming back to this well? Um, do we want, you know, to find other actors to p- portray these mm-hmm. serial killers again in, in other content? I don't know. You know, it's, it's again, it's, it's, I, I am, I like the content quite often. So I feel like to me, I'm like, if it's, I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was interesting because it was a, you know, it was a choose your own adventure. It was a what if. Yeah. And isn't that a kind of interesting take, kind of almost subverting the genre where it's like, what if this didn't become the story that it became, you know? Like, that's interesting to me. So I thought that was kind of like, yeah, it was almost like turning, it was almost like a comment on our obsession with true crime. I don't know if I'm giving Tarantino too much credit or not, but, you know. No, Tarantino, I think what he did is he said, like, you know what, let's turn the tables and let's kill these mothers. Yes, which of course, again, then, which everybody wants to see, right? We we would all love to see I think I'm with Lauren, like, I like the unsolved crime because we're not we're not bringing focus back to the murderer or the serial killer. We're not talking about Richard Ted Bundy again and giving him, putting him in the limelight or Manson where it's an unsolved mystery. We hopefully will solve it. Like Paradise Lost, you know, three three documentaries before they yeah. were able to figure out what, what would say, yeah. Well, I've bugged I, you for two years to watch I've, I've it read and the, you won't I've read watch the Wikipedia, it, so don't go, don't so go I, yeah. I've read yeah. the Wikipedia, so at least I know that. Lauren, please tell him to watch Paradise Lost. He won't You listen. know what, it's I have it's a hard time with, with, with like the dead children though. That's that's a very small part of I it. I just it's have about, a hard time It's about the people who were accused. That's really- I know, but when that's involved, I have a hard, that's the only part of true crime dogs have a hard time stomaching. I do too. And you know, the the few times that we've dealt with stuff on our podcast about the the, the child deaths and those kinds of things, that's really where we lean into the, the cocktails portion of the title of the show. Yes. Is that we we end up going off the rails a little bit and and because it's like it's so hard to talk about. It's so hard to think about and and we we never wanna, you know, we never want to make light of of those victims and we also never want to um we never want to dwell on it either. I never want to like get into, right. we never want to get into the the laying out all of those details either because right. I think there's also, that's kind of a questionable thing. So I hear you. I don't love the child stuff either, but I do agree that Paradise Lost, it is a lot about the journey about those accused. Yes. And my goodness, it's a, that's a wild ride. And, and basing, and basing uh, an accusation based on how they look. Yes. Uh, and um, so that's why. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it because Lauren's recommending it. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Well, it's taken that. him like five years. So. You, you, brought up co- <laughs> you brought up cocktails. We want to do a little game with you, Lauren. Yes. Ben, you want to announce yeah, this so game? What do you want to call this game? Well, just call it True Crime and Cocktails. True Crime and Cocktails. Yeah, there we go. Love because, it. Be- because you love both things, we thought it'd be fun <laughs> if we name a killer. Yeah. And you, and you pair a cocktail with the killer. I could not love this more. Yes. <laughs> okay. Go first, Ben. Charles Manson. Bloody Mary. Oh my gosh, he's so good. Right? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or oh no, I was going to say something totally. No. Were you? Uh, no. I, I was, huh? Well, because Polanski was involved, she was going to be a bloody Rosemary's baby. Well, Not I mean, Bloody I Mary. was kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. You know. Okay, I was trying to be so quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lauren, I was going there without going yes, there. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just yes. Trying to be a little um, more. Um, Robert Durst. <gasps> oh. Robert Durst is a is a gimlet. <laughs> Don't you think? 
Why? Why a gimlet? I get it. I get it. The sound of it. Yeah. Well, f- I don't know. Like to me, it's like sour. any. I don't know any human who I've ever been out with that ordered a gimlet in my life. And to me, anybody who is going to dress up as a woman and pretend to be a mute for multiple years to avoid yeah. prosecution for a crime. That's a very unique bird. And much like a, a gimlet is a very unique yes. and not often ordered drink. You know, she's got a really good thought process yeah. to all these drinks. I'm taking this seriously, okay? It's I not like, like freaking random, you yeah. know. It's not like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not like, oh, it's like, you know, an old fashioned because I don't like old fashions. I don't like Robert right. Grace. I like that there's levels nope, towards there's it. levels. We have three yep. more for you. Okay, what's the next right. one? What about Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy? She, she's thinking. Honestly, I think Ted Bundy is like a classic bottle of Budweiser because he was... The all-American looking, you know, handsome guy next door that no one expected. You know, like he was the affable kind of, you know, Zac Efron played him in a movie. I mean, come on. Um, To me, he just exudes like Americana. And and he has become such a, you know, fixed fixture to me in in the kind of true crime Mm -hmm. pop culture world. And I think that it's because he's so attractive and that speaks so much to... Hollywood and beauty standards and all of those things that it's like no one can believe that a pretty man could possibly do these crimes, you know, which is such a funny, a funny thing to even think or say. Um, so to me, he reminds me of like pure, you know, dudes, dude, Americana, Budweiser beer in a glass bottle. Is it me or does Lauren have a bit of a crush? No, no, (laughs) no, I draw a line. I draw a line. And I thought you were going to say Bundweiser. Ah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I I just think going going to that of the the image is interesting because even like the Night Stalker, it's like they really delve into the fact that like Richard Ramirez was just like a stinky, ugly person. smelly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's but like, we can believe it. But he also had a lot of female interest back then. And if yes. you look at him in certain lights, he's got these cheekbones. I was like, and he went, with the sunglasses, I was yeah. like, he could be a Calvin Klein model. Yeah, he's an Abercrombie. Circa 2001. Yeah. He could have been a Calvin Klein model. Yeah, he's got yeah. the cheekbones. He's got that ugly hot thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the, okay, I'm going to say, this one's the O.J. Simpson. <sighs> mm-hmm. But I don't want to go with the obvious choice. I want to go with something that maybe isn't the obvious choice because a screwdriver you think is the obvious choice. Right, right. Right? I think, no, I think for OJ, <laughs> I love that I'm I'm just r- rattling through so many in my own brain. She was thinking mimosa. I think she's... <laughs> a mimosa also, yeah. yes, also true. No, you know, I think I think OJ, I mean, I mean, I whenever I think of OJ, I think of his quote, I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm OJ. Yeah. Uh, which makes me feel like, you know, maybe a dark and stormy. Mm. A dark and stormy, you know, like it's like I'm 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 mysterious, I'm unique, I'm my own thing. You know, is there white rum? Is there dark rum? Is there both? Probably, you know. She's okay. a deep thinker. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the game. I just love the game. So I want to play it right. This is the trick one. Okay. Well, there's no, there's no right or wrong. I just thought you're the expert here. Okay. This is the best one. Uh, The Menendez brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ooh. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Uh, Love it. First of all, Uh, you know what it's going to be? What is that called? I love that. I'm trying to reference drinks now that I can't even think of the name of. Um, Man, what is that drink called? It's the one where you have the uh, glass of cider. Is it cider? And then you you drop the shot in it. You know that one? Oh, you drop a shot glass. It's yeah, a, and then you you chug the whole thing. It's like a Jaeger bomb type vibe. A not Jaeger, Jaeger bomb. That's what okay. it is. The Menendez <laughs> brothers are a Jaeger bomb. Okay, because <laughs> individually, individually, they don't work, but together they become oh, something very okay. specific. Look at that. You know, we spoke earlier that we were able to get Carol Baskin on our podcast. If you could have a guest on your podcast as part of the true crime world, let's say someone living today. Okay. Who would you love to have on your podcast? Well, you know, it's interesting because we actually, we recorded an episode last night and we started talking because our latest episode that we recorded that hasn't come out yet is about a three-part dateline called The Widower, which is talking about uh, this one guy who may or may not have killed a couple of his six wives. Um, and we were talking about 
how he had appeared recently on someone else's podcast. And so we got into this, this discussion and I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't think I want to talk to him. I don't think that I am interested in actually mm. in having that whole thing. Because again, for him, when you get into the psychology, he is an admitted massive narcissist, right. believes he is smarter than everybody, believes that he's going to get away with everything. And I'm like, it kind of is feeding into his own, you know, vibe. Yeah. Like he lo- right. he calls like when the cameras turn on, he's like, oh, here's the Tommy show. Like he, he kind of has this whole thing. And I'm like, I don't know that I really want to be a part of that. So for me, it would be, I would want to talk to some of the detectives. Right. You know, it's it's some of the people who would, who would, you know, at the time, one of the reasons I was obsessed with The Night Stalker on Netflix is because it was from the perspective of those detectives and getting to kind of hear their side. Right. Getting to hear about yeah. Diane Feinstein and yes. that whole thing being the mayor of San Francisco at the time, which I had no idea about that detail. Um, and as I consider myself someone who like knows a fair amount about most serial killers, not something to brag about at all, um, but just, it's just a fact. Uh, but, but that was interesting to me is hearing how they pieced the, the case together and yes. w- what the kind of roadblocks were and stuff like that. So I definitely know there is a detective, detective, I, I'm blanking on his first name, but, but his last name is Kading. And he was actually uh, the gentleman who was assigned to the Tupac case, the Biggie, the Biggie Smalls yes. case, yep. and the Elisa Lamb case. He's here in L.A., and I would have to answer him because Christy is such a fan. In all of her research, she's read his books. She has seen a million interviews with him. And if I didn't say him, I, I mean, I would be breaking her heart. So that would be my number one choice would be somebody like him who's had a very prolific career with a lot of big name cases. Yeah, yes. Because I feel like that's someone that's that's really going to have a lot of insight. Is there anything holding you back to reach out to him? No. I think that you've just inspired me literally now. Just do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Are there any true crime series that you rewatch? Well, Tiger King, if, if if it counts, I watched it in a day and then I watched it again the next day. Yeah. That one for me, like, I was so fascinated by every aspect of it because everyone to me in that was an asshole. Like, everyone in that entire, there was no good guys. Yeah. And that's yeah. rare, I feel like, for watching something that's kind of true crime based. Um in terms of other ones, I did watch Making a Murderer the first season. I did mm-hmm. watch that through a second time because I was really fascinated by the court side, the legal stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of getting my head around, like, how did this all really happen? But then also, like, really needing to take a second look at the facts and and how did they build this case and how did he, you know. Right. That one really fascinated me. Um, and then other than those two, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I watched a second time. I don't think so. I think those are the only two that I had kind of gone back a second time. Sometimes we'll go back if we're doing a certain case and I'll go back over little parts. Right. Yeah. Um, depending on the episode. But those two definitely like for pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just thinking it's, it's so Someone crazy. Someone else's like, pain is, is uh, Lawrence play. Yeah, no, well, let's like, cause I've rewatched the jinx like four times yeah. now and it's like, Sorry. it's weird. That's the other one. That's the other, and that's a three timer for me. That's yeah. a three timer. Well, it's, it's funny because it's like I feel like some people are like, oh, I've, I've rewatched you know The Office or Parks and Rec. Like it's just a good light feel good show. And I'm like, no, I love just like watching Robert Durst talk about like you know Wise Mommy on the Roof and that whole thing is like, Ugh. it's I can watch it. That's more and more. He for me, well, for me also, I'm also the terrible person that if I meet somebody and they're like, I haven't seen it yet, I'm like, well, we've got to watch it. And then I just sit and like, that's yes, like I watch them watching it. You know what I, I mean? I, like, I did that with, with my brother when I saw the jinx. I was like, have uh, you seen the jinx? He's like, no. So I went to his place, I sat him down, we watched the entire series. You didn't do that with me with Paradise Lost. You didn't, no, you didn't do that with me with Paradise Lost. <laughs> we found out today that your podcast is number one in Mongolia. It is. So what do you think of it about your podcast that appeals to Mongolians? Well, you know, we've looked into this because we're dying to know. And there is a Mongolian podcast called Crime and Cocktails. And it's it's Mongolian. Oh. And so I think what happened, because when we first when we first debuted, we were we were very quickly very popular in Mongolia. And and so I think truthfully it was either by accident, (laughs) people (laughs) looking for this very popular thing there and then accidentally finding us, or because they already have something of that kind of interest, then they found us. But the, but the thing is, is that we, they've stayed with us. So for whatever reason, you know, whether it was by accident or because it was of similar interest to begin with, they have stayed with us and and we have stayed really high in their rankings kind of ever since, which is so cool to think about. That, you know, in Mongolia, across the world where, I don't know, I just, 
I, I never would have thought, you know, there's so many countries like that when you start to like go into the the, the ranking pages and stuff yeah. to see where people are listening to you. It's truly such a trip. It's such a cool thing to see where people have found you and how. But I think it is there because there is a similar named podcast and there's obviously a, an interest because it was a very, very popular podcast over there. But I think it credit credit to you guys, because if it was originally finding you because of the name, they stayed with you. Yeah. And they so stayed with us. Exactly. You obviously have that Mongolian touch. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, also we, we get messages sometimes on social media from people in different countries, France, for example, as well. And people are like, um, I don't really speak English. Your your podcast is helping me learn English. And I was like, I love that of all the topics, <laughs> this is the one that's going to help these people <laughs> learn English. Brutal murders. But, you know. Yes. Imagine, welcome, welcome to, well, welcome to Canada. Yes, I killed Robert Durst. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. What would you like to order, uh, John Bonet Ramsey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair. Exactly. Um, okay, Lauren. Here's my last question. You brought up the Natalie Wood mystery. Yes. What would you like? What stories would you like to see come to a true crime doc? The number one for me currently is George Reeves because that was one that I yes. was brought to my attention recently. And then we watched, I think it's Hollywood Land, I think is the yes, movie that kind with of- Ben Affleck. Yes, yes. And so I didn't really have any knowledge of who that was. Do, and you, then, have, do you know who it is? I actually don't know about George. Tell, tell Ben who, who that is. So George Reeves played Superman in the original black and white TV version. And okay. he was kind of like this- he, he blew up at the time, but then he was trying to kind of transition into film again and was having some trouble. Long story short, I, I'm really paraphrasing, but he was prone to depression. He had also had an affair with a studio head's wife. And one night there was kind of like a little party going on at George's house. He comes downstairs. He's like, what's going on? My His other wife at this point. And then he kind of has a, you know, oh, calms down, has a good time, goes upstairs. And then they claim a gun goes off and he killed himself. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of speculation that someone at that party may have killed him. And it really, when you start to dig in, it's very, very interesting that they kind of painted this picture that it's like, well, he was deeply depressed because he was an actor that wasn't doing what he wanted to do. So obviously mm-hmm. he killed himself. And I'm like, well, hold on a second here. There's a lot of, <laughs> lot of That would be that every actor. Exactly. Every I'm actor. like, we'd be having a real public health crisis if that was a, you know, a true 100% of the time. So that's definitely one that I think is due for a for a real kind of nice true crime kind of special. Lauren, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. Really awesome. This yeah. is it's to, to be able to talk to you first of all, we love your show, but also the fact that you can get true crime someone who actually it's one thing to say I love true crime but to actually know it and remember it and research it there's a difference between just watching and enjoying something and become <laughs> obsessive. <laughs> Sick. Well, and I mean, yeah. it's so true because it is such a it's such an in thing right now. And I yes. think it would be easy to be able to, like, create a pop, you know, using true crime as a name. And, yeah. and that really yeah. hasn't been it. It really has been because uh, both Christy and I truly are deeply immersed into a love of that world. And lucky enough, now it is very popular. So there is a platform and, and an interest in the show, which is great. But it, we do come by it. We come by it. Honestly, that is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, when you finish your research with George Reeves and you and you're about to do the podcast, send me a note. I would love to hear that one. Absolutely, really. that would be. I will. Really I will. Yeah, super duper. Uh, Lauren, you've been absolutely lovely, and Thank it's nice so to talk to a fellow a fellow Canadian. So always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much, Lauren. Cheers. Be safe. Okay. You too. Thank you. You know what I'd love to do? What? I would love just grab a cocktail. And just have another chat with with Lauren about true crime. I feel the same way. I would love to just kill somebody. Not quite the same. Oh, okay. Quite, I thought, I thought you were thing. more going to be on that one. Like after that podcast, you, I was more like, you know what I mean? Hankering to do. I'm actually hankering to kill somebody. I mean, the more time I spend with you, the more I'm like, I could definitely murder somebody. I don't understand what you're trying to say with that. It's fine. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't get it, it's cool. Oh my God. Can I just say that? Yeah. Lauren Ash was so much fun. No, it was great. I mean, like we, the, the thing is like, we love true crime shows. Every true crime show that comes out, like we're always texting about it. So to be able to like sit and talk with someone who just is as obsessed with true crime is just such a pleasure. Is it wrong to say that true crime is fun? Is that, because it was. I don't think it's wrong. Is that like say. the new, what are they saying? Like a tagline? True crime. Fun for the whole family. 
I mean, yeah, if Discovery ID takes that, we can definitely sue for rights, but... Hey, Dad, true crime. Fun for the whole family. Can I tell you, she's... It's one thing when somebody, you have a topic and you talk about something Mm -hmm. and you can have a discussion about it. It's one thing where on both sides of the table, you have a real passion for something. Yes. You know, she's bringing up moments of a, of a true crime mystery. We know exactly what she's talking about. We bring up something and there's an energy and excitement about sharing our love of this topic. But even like playing like the drinking game with her. Like, oh, that was it, the best. It was great because like she wasn't just doing surface level answers. There was a thought process. There's a reasoning. It's like that, that those are answers of someone who loves true crime and enjoys true crime and, and gets the individuals and gets the murders, gets the cases. Well, she, it's, and she said what she loves about true crime was the psychology behind it. And so here she is really thinking about yeah, what drink would go with what murderer. Yeah. And she was, honestly, she was 100% right. I mean, got me thirsty. Okay. No, but she, I really, you know, I, she's such a talented actress. She's so funny on Superstore. And now she's, and now she's got this podcast about true crime. And it's like, Oh my God, that's your calling, Lauren Ash. True crime. No, she was she was absolutely great with it. You know what? The, with Lauren, it would be a crime if she did not continue this podcast. I think she'd make a killing in the true crime career. People would murder to have their own podcast. Okay, that's better. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I would love to study the psychology of why we are so entertained by true crime and why it has become part of our pop culture zeitgeist that it actually, oh, a show about Manson, you watching? Yeah. You know, it's that, it's like, oh, we're entertained by this yeah, now. Yeah, well, we're entertained by it and it's like, there's this crave and this need for more of it. Like she was yes. saying, like, you know, there she's getting calls about doing John Benet Ramsey again. It's like, well, this has been done hundreds of times, but there's still this fascination. It's like, give us more. Like we're, we're not done salivating yet. I think it's this whole, the, I think more so the unsolved mystery. Any mystery that's not solved and they say... Yes and no, because even like with any new Manson thing that comes out, it's, it's still a fascinating piece of work, even though we know the story and there's been justice towards people. I agree with that. I agree with that one. But what I'm saying is we all know how Manson ends. We all know how the story ends. We don't know, John, there's never been a definitive... John Benet Ramsey and there's a lot of these stories like did it really happen that way especially in Hollywood too because Hollywood the, the mm-hmm. studios that would spin it and the PR companies no I, I get that all I'm saying is I, I, like I I still have an equal fascination and desires with stories that I've I know the ending when there's more of it just as I with stories that there is no ending and I also want more of that as well oh because I, I think I'm more of an armchair detective well I've always considered you an armchair dick you know what, Ben? I tried to just have a nice conversation with you, and you know who the real dick is? You. Oh, that's... A so- nice conversation. I'm telling you, this is a term now, armchair detective, and you turn it around and call your father a dick. That's not very You're a nice. big armchair dick. Okay, that is the real crime. The real crime is how you treat your father. You got that ADE, that armchair dick energy. Is that your out? Is that going to be your clever out of this podcast? I never said it was my clever out. No, I'm saying like the mis- this is a mystery of true crime. We're doing a true crime pop culture. What would be our out to end it? Give me something to end, clever. And the true I, crime. Yeah, because I always do a clever out of the podcast. You think you do a clever out. I, I know I do a clever out. It's no mystery that I don't do a clever out. See what I just did there? You, you would never be able to do it that <laughs> See, quick. You'd make a good case, a mental case. Okay, you can't say that anymore. You can say mental case. I don't think you can say that, Ben. If you, someone would kill you if you said that. Oh, is that your clever out? That now? was my clever out. Is that your out? new clever out? That was my clever out. Anyway, shall we wrap up our true crime popular culture? Let's wrap pot, up. My pop's culture tr- about true crime. Mm-hmm. Okay, so give me an out and we'll go. Why are you giving, you put the pressure on me now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real mystery here is how we're going to end this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mr. Mystery. Okay, well, at least the music's coming on. Mm-hmm. We just end it that way. Okay. So don't forget to click on that subscribe button to keep up to date with our kooky antics and dazzling interviews. Dad, the episode is over. Drop the app. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.